With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 66 of the Savaggio and Credit Sports podcast. The worst week for jersey numbers easily that we've ever had um no Bruins ever not sure what happened before Mario Lemieux came in the league but I assume since then and you know since he ascended to legendary status it's because of him you know out of respect it's kind of like a unofficially retired number unless you're Josh Hosang for some reason decided to wear it caused a lot of controversy a few years ago uh other than that Brendan Brennan um we're talking Red Sox played like maybe one appearance Daniel Nava did wear it back in the day, so there's a guy that, you know, chipped in every once in a while, but other than that, it's not really too crazy. Marcus Martin, if we're talking Patriots, Brian Stork. Things didn't go well for Brian Stork here. James Ferentz, Najee Torin. Um, nothing spectacular there, and only Scott Pollard for the Celtics, who are starting tonight. Um, don't even know who that is. Like, no, couldn't even tell you a thing about him besides his first and last name. Um, we're here. It's uh, not the you know best time right now with the Patriots losing on Sunday in um, unfortunate fashion, to put it one way. Uh, the Red Sox getting pants right now, only two hits um, as we're in the seventh inning with two outs for the Astros as we speak. Uh, the Bruins play in like 10 minutes, and the Celtics play in like 10 minutes. I believe they also start at 7.30. Ryan, how are you? Uh, to say morale's at an all-time low is probably an understatement. Like I told you right before we jumped on, thank God the Bruins and Celtics are playing in, in less than 10 minutes because the Red Sox look as dead as they ever have. Uh, so not great, like you mentioned, obviously, to the Patriots coming off uh, a loss. Again, a loss we didn't think 
was going to be as close as it was and maybe as as heartbreaking as it was. I think you and I kind of both maybe predicted a blowout in this game. Um, but yeah, no, not a great. No, 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 no. Did I had 30 close? 27. I had 30 oh, okay. 27. All right, you so picked it close. close. I, did, I did not. Um, yeah, but not a great start to the week when it comes to Patriots stuff once again. And then uh, so far halfway through the week, not great with the Red Sox, who were looking like they're going to go down three games to two. Um, so hopefully, like we said, the Celtics can get a win to start the season against the uh, the Knicks and the Bruins can hopefully get something going against the Flyers in just their second game because, as we've talked about before, you know, the NHL schedule is phenomenal where Montreal has played four games I saw today and the Bruins are just starting number two tonight. So, Yeah, classic. You know, why do things that make sense when you can do nope. things that do not? Um, what happened to this game? And, you know, we're going to talk about it. So I will hand it off to you to start Suds and Duds. All right, as we usually do, starting with the studs, I had Ramondre Stevenson. Good to see him get back out there and get involved in the offense, actually, a little bit. Um, obviously, a big game for Damian Harris, but I wanted to shine some light on uh, the the other of the running backs. Stevenson had just five rushes for 23 yards to get involved in the passing game, three catches on three targets for 39 yards, had a couple of nice hard runs. Good to see him maybe build some confidence moving forward, of course, with the Patriots, you know, as, as banged up as they are at running back. I got to assume, you know, Harris had a good game, but I have to assume he's still not 100%. Um, so just, you know, obviously you can see him out there. And then J.D. Taylor was once again inactive. Uh, Patriots, as we know, have kind of flip-flopped back and forth with Stevenson and Taylor, seeing which guy can get it going. Uh, Stevenson showed that. Again, late in the game, we saw some questionable, you know, play calling with when Josh McDaniels to put Brandon Bolden in when I thought Ramondre Stevenson should have gotten more opportunities. Um, but just good to see him kind of get, like I said, involved and maybe build a little bit of familiarity, some some comfortableness in the offense, and hopefully a guy they can lean on a little bit more moving forward because they got to, as we saw in the Dallas game, and as we talked about before, they got to shake something up on this offense. And maybe if Stevenson's a guy that can get more involved, maybe he can show you something and be a little bit more of a weapon out there moving forward. Yeah. It was nice to see someone get in the end zone for the first time. We almost saw what Jacoby that Myers, too, didn't even mention that. That was yeah. just a prank um, that, you know, of course, you know, the guy, the guy it's not funny anymore. Yeah, yeah. Not a good prank. I didn't laugh. Um, but yeah, good to see Stevenson get in the end zone. My number three, uh, stud for the second week in a row, I believe now, maybe third, is Kyle Duggar because he's playing awesome. He's like top 40 in the league in total tackles. Had his first pick off a of deflection, eight tackles in this game. Um, just really good, really good to see um, some consistency building here. He had 10 tackles, I believe, last week. Um, really good stretch of two weeks here for Kyle Duggar. Absolutely. I, I did an honorable stud I would have probably put him as my honorable stud uh, moving to the dud side of things and you can feel free to jump in whatever you feel like because we have a consensus number three dud uh, it's once again Dante Hightower kind of funny that last week it was coined maybe his best game of the season arguably this one on the flip side maybe his worst did have four tackles did have a quarterback hit which was nice to see him get in there a little bit uh, but other than that once again, not, not a great uh, performance from Dante Hightower. You sent me this on Twitter. Um, this is from Ryan Hannibal. He kind of went through all the coverage stuff with the Patriots uh, from Sunday. And he said, Dante Hightower, when he was targeted, four for four, 40 yards, a touchdown allowed. Uh, just not a great game from him. You texted me this too, that, you know, it was the run play that you have in the outline as well. I think it was Pollard that had the run uh, where he didn't even look like he went after the tackle him or just kind of gave up on the play, it seemed like. Uh, Another game where Dante Hightower looks a step slow. looks like he's, you know, still trying to come back from missing all of last season. At this point, I think we can kind of put that argument or not the argument, but um, so where I'm trying to find or used here, the uh, excuse, I guess, for lack of a better term, like this is a guy we kind of expected 
to see a little bit from, see something from, and he's just really given you nothing all season, which has been aggravating because even I both thought he was going to have, you know, a kind of a bounce back year, come back with you know fire under his ass after what he went through last season. And just, we haven't seen that from him. Yeah. He sucks. Just that's <laughs> really it. Um, yeah. He's, he's a guy to me that's pretty much mailed it in. He knows he's got one year left on his contract. So he's playing one more year and making money. So yeah, that's, it was really confirmed to me by him giving up on that play. Like it's just, you, you don't see that over to him. It seemed you, like you don't see that happen really um, with anybody. And I don't know. It's just a guy that I haven't really been a fan of all year. And this, that just kind of reinforces it. That one play just really stood out. And I just don't know how you can do that as a veteran. Yeah, that, and then the touchdown that he bit on the fake handoff to, uh, was it Blake Jarwin? Then it a wide open. Yeah. Like that's, that's the play that you see like Tom Brady run with Gronk. That's like, you shouldn't be that easy. Yeah, one of the underrated crazy things of this game that I forgot to mention uh, when talking about Duggar was when he got caught the deflection and didn't kneel it in the end zone. Yeah, he I was a little worried out. when that happened. But that was crazy. He, I don't know if he like meant to do that or that it just like it was just instinct. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> oh my god, he got lucky. He made it like just past the twenty-five. Yeah, uh, absolutely, I think. yeah. Like Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Pretty funny though. Well, sort of as soon as that happened, I was watching with my dad and I heard him. He goes, What are you doing? Just knee the ball down. Don't do anything stupid. But it worked out. I mean, worse things have happened. Worse things happened in that game. But obviously, a good standout performance there from him. Um, jumping back on the stud side of things, my number two stud from the game, I had Juwan Bentley, arguably the Patriots' best player out there on defense. Um, 13 tackles, had 12 solo tackles, a tackle for a loss, did have one forced fumble. Um, obviously, we thought it was going to be a huge play and then the Patriots decided to kneel down at the end of the half for some reason, instead of trying to build some momentum off of that stuff for uh, Dak on the goal line and the, and the fumble, like I said, that Bentley forced um, just another good game. You know, you didn't really have a lot of guys. I thought this was kind of a down game for Judon. He wasn't really in there as much as he's been the last couple of weeks. Um, so it was good to see somebody else kind of step into that role and uh, Bentley make it a little difficult for, for Prescott. Obviously the Patriots didn't pressure him a ton in that game, but I thought Bentley was kind of, all over the field and it was was nice to see from him yeah he's quietly no well not really quietly actually that's pretty stupid for me to say because he's doing pretty good and you know putting up crazy stats he's putting together a little breakout season on the fly here as we get towards the midway uh mark which is nice because um it's good to see some bright spot when your defense has sucked um Mm -hmm. for the large part over the past two weeks in particular just practically been non-existent um my number two stud was Damian Harris he was awesome didn't really look too uh too hampered by the um by the ribs slash chest injury so that was mm-hmm. good he didn't fumble which is good he had there was one run in particular where he had the he was like he took a while to go down I was like please don't fumble it please I don't have somebody punch I know it exactly out. what run you're talking about the, the entire run or like the back half of it it was about three or four Cowboys, if I remember correctly. Legitimately, all they were doing was just trying to punch the ball. They weren't even going to tackle Harris. So I thought the same exact thing. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just please go down at this point. Like, Wow. Red Sox update right when I turned the I game thought, off. Yeah, Raphael I did Devers the same exact thing. Run. I just turned the game off to turn the Bruins on. Uh, uh-huh. I will not be watching the game anymore because the Bruins are on end. Right when I turned it off, um, they scored. So maybe a uh, reversal of fortune here. Uh, number two, Dud. I think we're uh, pretty much in agreement on the Dud side from the um, from here on out. 
Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, my number two was Yadni Kajust, Kajust, whatever you want to call him. Uh, he's horrible. <laughs> like, I know a lot of people going, I think us included, we're kind of excited to see, you know, this kid get a chance with obviously the unfortunate injuries, but he's bad. I mean, I have never seen a, such a quick sack for, was it Randy Gregory on the one that Jones yeah, that was... snapped the football and then died? <laughs> like, that's... Dude, that was like that was some crazy shit. That was I don't one know of the if worst I've, sacks I have ever. I don't seen. know if I've ever seen anyone fly off the edge that fast in my life. No, I'm not so kidding. He blew Kajust. Like I said, Kajust. I've heard. I don't know what. It I'm is. surprised Kajust didn't get hurt. Like <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I've never seen anybody fly off the edge that fast in football in my life. Any level. Yeah, that was bad. I mean, he was benched right after that for Onwenu. I mean, I had it in the outline too. I could easily just throw. Isaiah went in there as well because he got trucked over by Randy Gregory. Like that guy oh, yeah. feasted on two of the worst tackles guards for the Patriots in that game. Another just again horrible performance by Isaiah Wynn, too. But I'm gonna go with Kajus because, like I said, that I have never seen a quarterback get trucked back. Again, credit to Mac Jones for jumping right back up after that. But he was a little little shaken up, it seemed like. But he he got right back in there yeah. afterwards in the next drive. So good to see when, him. When 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 got hit, it looked like you know like the wrecking balls like on a on a you know, construction site, the swinging yeah, wrecking just balls coming right it, through. Yep. It literally like he, when got hit, like he looked like he got hit by a wrecking ball. Oh, he shoved him like right Homer over Simpson. Get, yeah. Like get out of my way. You're not even. It was yeah. incredible. Uh, Randy Gregory, uh, terrible person, good football player. <laughs> um, my number two dud was uh, Jonathan Jones. I like, can't believe how bad he is. He's horrible. It's it really just gets worse for him every week, which is Seems like pretty it. astonishing because he was pretty consistently good last year. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. I he, he is just like lost all the edge he had. He was you know pretty good. Now he's just not. That's really it. He just got torched. Nah, he's he's not that good. I mean, again, from Ryan Hannibal, he added five of seven for Jones for seventy three yards allowed. Like. You could argue it doesn't get much worse than that. You and I will argue with our number one dud that it it does get worse than that. Um, but we'll stick with the stud side of things. We'll finish with the negatives. Uh, my number one stud, and again, maybe kind of a cop-out here, but I thought Justin Bethel, special teamer, had arguably one of the better days for all the Patriots. I uh, had two special teams tackles, both for a loss of one yard. Uh, had one assisted tackle, did force a fumble as well. Uh, he had the deflection, obviously, in the Duggar interception. Good job by him to cover Amari Cooper, who is not – an easy guy to cover. Um, that was, of course, when Jonathan Jones went out with, I think he was dealing with an ankle injury at the time. And then looking at the replay, I couldn't tell if he got a hand or a finger on the, the missed 51 yarder by Zerline. Um, if not, he definitely disrupted that play kind of coming through or coming around on the outside and jumping through. And just like I said, disrupting the timing. So a good game for Bethel, a guy that, you know, hasn't really stood out a ton. I thought obviously when he had to come in and you knew the Cowboys were going to pick on him, did a nice job, like I said, to deflect that ball too. Uh, your number three uh, stud, rather, Kyle Duggar. So good game for a guy that doesn't get a ton of, you know, obviously reps on the defense and get, you know, have his time in the spotlight from here. Yeah. Over there. Yep. Uh, my number one stud, simply put, as, you know, Juwan Bentley. I really don't have anything else to say because I already said everything. So mm-hmm. my honorable mention, though, is Matt Judon. Had to include him in some way. Um, technically, keeps the streak together. Of him uh, being on the studs list, had four hurries, studs, yeah. two QB hits, and uh, that amounts to six total pressures. So, yeah, he's just – he's nails, further solidifying that that 
uh, prediction you brought up from whatever site of him being benched by week eight was uh, dumb, as we he's, expected. He's still got time, but he's going to have to, at this point, just pull a, uh, a James Harden. or uh, He's going to have to bring on like a Billy, Billy Club completely. and break one of his teammates' legs or something. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, he's going to have to do something severely wrong, like punch Matt Patricia in the face, maybe. Or... <laughs> punch McDaniels yes. in the face, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be better. The way he's going. Um, yeah. But sticking with the negative stuff, uh, we'll go with the consensus number one, Doug, because you have him as well. Uh, so far, obviously not a, uh, a huge sample size for this guy, but our, you can say the worst game in a Patriots uniform for one Jalen Mills. Uh, was six for eight in the coverage stats, 84 yards allowed. Two touchdowns allowed. Obviously had the big one to CeeDee Lamb to end it, which he then decided to shove CeeDee Lamb out of the back of the end zone, which to CeeDee Lamb's credit, good for him for going right back at him and giving him the, the wave goodbye because Mills absolutely deserved that after getting yeah. torched. Uh, I didn't know this either. I had to go back and look at the highlights because I couldn't remember who was on the coverage when Lamb almost converted that third and 25 earlier in the game that, or later in the game, rather, that set up Zerline's game tying field goal. That was Jalen Mills, too. Um, so two great plays from him when you needed him most at the end of the game. I've seen a lot of people say, you know, well, the Patriots, you know, it's just a, a talent thing at this point. Like if Jalen Mills is going to be put on CD Lamb, then that you know, stuff like that's bound to happen. You're paying this guy $24 million a year. It's $24 million you maybe could have given one Stefan Gilmore. And again, I know Gilmore, you know, if he was still here, wouldn't have been able to play in this game. But I just found it kind of funny that, you know, yeah. something like this happens at this time. And now, of course, Gilmore is off the PUP list and practicing with Carolina today. So it's all kind of coming back to, you know, great timing for that. Um, but yeah, just a horrible game all around for Jalen Mills to keep it short and sweet and kind of wrap it up quickly here. Uh, not, not a great performance for him. Yeah, I'm just going to echo your points and say that, you know, the cornerback group over the past couple of weeks has me uh, scouting top cornerbacks in the 2022 draft, like Derek Stinley. How can Derek you not? Stingley, potentially. Um, he'll look pretty good. Andrew Booth, maybe. You know, just saying, because the uh, cornerback group fucking sucks. Oh, like, they brought it. I saw today on Twitter, was it Brian Poole or someone they said from the they used to play for the Jets they brought in yeah. today on a workout? So maybe, I mean, they're trying to. And Devontae Bosby. I don't know who that is, but I don't even know Brian, who that is. Brian yeah. Poole is all right, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Anybody, like anybody, like they need just depth. And mm-hmm. if Brian Poole can provide depth, I'm cool with it. Well, it's fitting, too. You say the DBs just absolutely suck because I had honorable mentions or honorable dismentions, if you want to, or just honorable mentions, rather. Um, Jonathan Jones was mine, like I said, five for seven, 73 yards allowed, like you had. Um, in a duds list for you. I 100% agree with you. He's getting worse and worse as the games go on. Uh, and then JC Jackson, I think goes without saying, shouldn't go without saying too for him. Another game where Jackson kind of has to step into that number one cornerback role and he struggled in it again. Five for nine, 67 yards allowed. He was put on CD Lamb a couple of times, couldn't keep up with him. Um, so like I said, I just find it kind of ironic that all the stuff that happened with Gilmore that maybe could have been avoided if he just paid the guy what he was worth and what he wanted um, now is coming back to rear its ugly head because you're not as deep at the position as we thought they originally were going to be. And uh, it's something's got to get figured out soon because if this is what we're going to have to watch the rest of the season, like this is going to be a long, long struggle. Yeah. And it's, and it's especially a big deal for uh, JC Jackson because, you know, he's hurting his stock on the open market. Mm-hmm. Right Absolutely. Now. Yep. He'd still get paid a shit ton. Yeah, some um, stupid team out there that would give him some money. I'm sure. But I don't know. He's uh he's complicating things. He needs to play a lot better if he wants uh negotiations to go as smooth as possible, which is you know mm. kind of stating the obvious, but you know just put it out there because it's you know it's pretty relevant right now. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Well, Anchor FM might be just what you need to do so. It's a free podcast distribution platform with creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer if you wish to do so. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more other platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started right now. But yeah, I mean, that's going to do it for studs and duds. Uh, for the sake of time, like I have in the outline, because we have obviously Red Sox, uh, Celtics, and Bruins stuff to get to, I'm not, we're not going to go through a full game recap, just anything that kind of stood out to you, because you have a couple of notes uh, that I noticed here. So what were the, some of the, the, the negatives, positives, some of the things you liked from this game, some of the things you didn't like, or just kind of overall thoughts about this Patriots team as we head into uh, – uh, who knows it type of game against the Jets? Because I feel like, you know, we talked about this last year when they had the win at the end of the season. Like, it did, the Jets didn't prove anything to me, didn't prove anything to you. I feel like we're kind of headed for another. Like, if they, we expect them to beat the Jets, so there's nothing really to to look forward to or get hy- uh, hyped up for, psyched up for if uh, they beat the Jets on Sunday coming up. But we'll stick with the Cowboys first, like I said. Yeah, the the big thing for me is that they didn't take control of this game when the Cowboys were handing it to them. Yeah. Um, just taking dumb penalty after dumb penalty, you know, giving you opportunities. And at the, in the end, it just wasn't enough. There was just so much that happened um, that it's just like hard to keep up with. Mm-hmm. To, to me, we talked about, you know, measuring stick game last week um, being this one. Um, it didn't provide much positive besides being able to keep up with a good offensive team for me. Um, right now, this is a 7-8 win team. 7-10, 8-9. Uh, one of those records, I don't see them living up to the 10-7 anymore unless things really change. Um, I'd be shocked if they did. Uh, it's just the X factor, too. Like, Do they have the ability to bury teams that they should? I don't think so. Uh, the defense is just terrible. Besides Matt Judon, Kyle Duggar, Jawan Bentley, pretty much. Um, yeah, and a, like a terrible time for Nelson Aguilar to have his biggest drop of the season. We know he um, he's had problems with his hands in the past. Mm-hmm. He would have had all day. That would have changed the game in a massive, massive way. Thankfully, uh, Kendrick Bourne didn't um, a little later in the game. And the face mask against him, you know, there were some calls either way. Um, mm. That was that was tough. Um, Obviously, didn't help, but that definitely didn't lose you the football game. Like I saw some people yeah. on Twitter were like, "Oh, they missed that." It's like your defense still couldn't stop anybody. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. He, you chose to give the ball back to Dallas in overtime by punting. Yeah. Like that's the biggest thing I've seen. A lot of people take away from this game is the Patriots just the cowardness. I've seen that word thrown around a lot. Like they don't want to like go for anything, or which I agree with. Like you can't as bad as your defense has been, you can't give the ball back to Dak Prescott because he's just going to do exactly what he did and walk right down the field in overtime and, and beat you on a, a long deep ball that your defense can't cover. Like, Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing easily. Um, mm-hmm. There was a miss hold against um, Uche was trying to get to Dak late in the game. That was you know just tough as well. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can do that in OT and just give the ball back to Dak. Um I understand a little more if you're, you know, have a little bit more control of limiting Dak, but um, you mm. just straight up didn't. That's no, really they it. They couldn't stop him at all the entire day. Like, it's it's becoming too common where we have these like these big time decisions 
being made where everybody's like, you know, oh, they're limiting Dak. Are they scared to let him um, let it loose? And it just doesn't feel like it's going to end. I don't see it for the near future. I mean, maybe it will this week against the Jets if they, you know, beat up on the Jets, um, which I don't know if they will because I don't think Zach Wilson's going to throw four picks again. But, no, yeah, that's, um, you have it in here. That was a luxury the last time you played him. That was a holy crap, I'm playing the Patriots for the first time ever type of thing. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, this is going to be an annoying season. It's just – it really has that feel. Well, I'm glad you brought up the kind of what you think 7 and 9, 8 – or 7 and 10, 8 and 9 type of thing because I was – as you were saying that, I was just kind of looking at the, the schedule. I know obviously we have a ton of games left to play, but like – you're running out of games where you have a chance. It seems like to like, obviously you have this one coming up against the jets where you, you're, I think it's safe to say, unless just something drastic happens and you lose the jets, which at that point, just dude, let's, let's cancel the season here. Let's, let's go like we did last year and start rooting for draft picks. But like the schedule only gets tougher down the line. You get the Chargers who seem legit later on in the, at the end of the month, Carolina looks pretty good. The Browns, they a little banged up, but I mean, that's a team I don't think you match up well on paper against. Tennessee, Derrick Henry's running all over people. Like, you haven't been able to stop the run all season. Yeah, so Derrick, a, Derrick, a Henry, Derrick Henry Henry will drop 150 yards on the ground. And Seems like he's, yeah. like, yeah. So he's done that three times already this year. It's yeah, very he, he does that, do like, again. every other week. Yeah. He's so, still got yeah. two more against Buffalo. Like, the Colts have looked legit at times. It's that Week 18 Dolphins game, where now there's reports coming out the Dolphins could be trading for Deshaun Watson by the end of the week, end of the month, like – you're running out of games here where you match up well against teams. Like you got what the jets, like I said, and then Atlanta and Jacksonville are the, the three games where you could be sit there and go, okay, well, you could probably pencil a win in there. Like those three teams are pretty bad. Other than that, like these, the rest of this way is going to be a dog fight. And like I said, something's got to change sooner yeah. rather than later. Cause you, you can't keep having these, like I said, I've seen a lot of people kind of give up on the moral victory type of thing. But like, again, after this game, I feel like there were some people that were like, Oh, you know, Mac Jones, and granted, he did. You know, he played good. Um, obviously, had that egregious pick six, but he bounced right back from it. So people were taking moral victories from that. But like, at what point are we going to start dropping that and be like, okay, well, you need to, like you said, you need to have these type of games where you can go into them and, and and stick with these teams, and then have a play late in the game where you pull out a win. Like, obviously, we saw the Tampa Bay game; they come up short. This game, they come up short. Like, I just, I. To me, that I think that that's what this team is, is they're going to play to their competition. We saw it in the Houston game. They played down to Houston. Hopefully, they don't do that against the Jets this upcoming week. You know, they play up to Dallas. They play up to Tampa Bay. But in the end, they just don't have enough playmakers or just don't – I don't want to say they don't have the coaching because they should, but like we've talked about it before, you know, the, the inability to go for it in certain things. You just mentioned it. The, the lack of trust, it seems like, in Mac Jones or if they want to maybe – I don't want to say cushion the blow because that's the wrong type of terminology. But you know what I mean, like protecting them, stuff like that. So – I don't know. Like I keep harping back on it. Something's got to change. And just the first couple weeks of the season, it just doesn't seem like anything's going to. And I think this is what we're looking at with this Patriots team, a team that gets close, but in the end just doesn't have the, the grit or I don't know how you want to word it, the tenacity, the, the, the killer instinct factor that we've seen this team have in the past. And I don't know if that's ever going to change or if someone's going to, you know, be the guy to who's going to be that guy to step up and make a play that, that wins you a football game down the stretch. Yeah. Things just aren't, uh, aren't feeling very optimistic right now overall no, see how they can be like i said you get lucky that you you get the jets coming up now but you mentioned earlier too about the measuring stick type of thing you'd feel so much better about this team if they were able to pull out that win against dallas 
And then you get it, like I said, a cupcake game against the Jets where you're now potentially looking at a team that's over four, uh, 500. And maybe, you know, the, you get a turnaround start of the season. Maybe you build some momentum and then you go on a little bit of a run here. But now you're sitting here two and four. You win next week at three and four. And then and you get the Chargers staring you in the face who, yeah, they got beat by Baltimore this week, but their offense at times has looked phenomenal. So it's going to be tough. Yeah, they're, they're going to get killed by the Chargers. Like, I, I don't I care so. what happened in this game against the Ravens. Like, I could see Justin Herbert dropping 40 points. Like, that that game is going to be ugly. Yeah, it's it's another game where we talked about with this Dallas when you get too many guys to that need coverage that you just don't. And it's, it's showing this Dallas game for sure. You just don't have enough to cover all these weapons that obviously we're looking two weeks in advance. Like, obviously, we don't want to overlook the Jets because, again, anything can happen. I mean, the Jets, they beat Tennessee. Like, that obviously gives them some credibility. But, like, I don't know. It's just – it's a weird place for the Pages to be in right now. It really is. Like, I don't know. I just – I would just love a nice, like, clean game just for once, you know. Like, (laughs) a nice game. Maybe Zach Wilson throws another four picks. That was fun. Can we have that again? Um, I don't think it'll happen, they, but they need something. Let's just the, the defense Jets, needs a confidence builder at this point. Yeah, the Jets are weird. Um, Zach Wilson hasn't been able to, you know, pop off as a rookie yet. They don't have a running back one. They have a committee going. Um, they just don't use Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims really at all, which is weird because they've it's used no premium sense, picks on yeah. them. Uh, the Bruins are down one nothing to pile onto things being Jesus crappy tonight. Christ, didn't that game just start? They're eight minutes in. Um, okay. Almost nine. Looks like Cam Atkinson buried it for Eagle. I don't you know, understand the Jets. I don't ever expect to understand the Jets. Um, how do you draft two receivers back-to-back years? The first two rounds just don't use them. As we have here, Elijah Moore has been targeted just 20 times, and Denzel Mims has been targeted four times. Um, That's bad. Makes no sense. The Patriots should win this game like we have in the outline. There really isn't much to break down with the Jets. Um, CJ Mosley's nice, though. He's up there in tackles in the league of 45. Pretty good player. Didn't have him last year. But, yeah, there really isn't a lot. John Franklin Myers earned a contract extension if you're into anything Jets-related. But other than that, you know, we talked about them a couple of weeks. Nothing has really changed. Um, they're still the Jets. You still should beat them. And, um, yeah, that's really all I have to say besides out of, you know, predictions and injury report stuff. They're just – they're the Jets. I found it kind of crazy. I mean, it like you said, it is the Jets. I mean, it's not the craziest things, but just looking over, trying to find anything to talk about with this game is they, they haven't picked anybody off yet, so hopefully that's a – I find that kind of crazy. We're six weeks in, seven weeks in now, and they still don't have an interception. So maybe something to think about there. You know, maybe the Patriots will be able to have a clean game because it doesn't seem like, you know, the Jets have been able to capitalize on any, any turnovers or anything like that. But, again, there's, like I said, questions going into this. Patriots injury report, as you have it here, we're able to find it. Um, very lengthy again. Like, it's not again. It's the Jets, so maybe you'll be able to scrape by. But it's, it's, you don't want to see this many guys on the injury report as you have it. Um, and then, like you mentioned, I doubt you're going to see another four interception performance. I think, you know, they'll be able to take some things from that first Patriots game and maybe, you know, Wilson will be able to have a little bit more success, but I just don't know. It's another thing where it's on paper talent wise, you should be able to beat this team and beat them pretty easily. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have the uh, luxury of saying mm-hmm. that outright. Uh, for the injury report, Devon Godshaw with a finger. Mm-hmm. 
Dante Hightower with an elbow slash ankle. Jonathan Jones with a shoulder. Sean Wade with a concussion. And Dietrich Wise with a knee. Uh, all did not participate. You got Christian Barmer with a shoulder. Jawan Bentley with ribs. Um, Brandon Bolden with a thigh. Kyle Duggar with a knee. Nick Folk with a left knee. Brandon King with a thigh. Shaq Mason with abdomen. Jalen Mills with hamstring. Adrian Phillips with a back injury. Josh Uche with a shoulder. And Kyle Van Noy with a groin. All had limited participation. So, like you said, quite extensive. Um, for the Jets, just two guys did not participate. Tyler Croft with the back. CJ Mosley with a hamstring. Um, Marcus May was limited with an ankle injury. Adrian Colbert um, with a concussion. Nathan Shepard with a, a knee injury. Jeff Smith with a concussion. Um, had full participation. So, yeah, a lot, lot less extensive for the Jets, I think we could say. That's for sure. I mean, I, you never want to root for injury for something. Or not. I'm not saying I'm rooting for an injury here, but maybe if Brandon Bolden, you know, if that thigh injury doesn't clear up, maybe he isn't able to go, and then maybe we can finally stop seeing some third and one runs with him and maybe just hand the ball off to Damian Harris or Stevenson or maybe even J.J. J- J- Taylor gets back out there, you know, maybe the Patriots for once will be forced to not use Brandon Bolden in situations they shouldn't be using him in in the first place. Uh, that's something obviously we didn't really talk about, but just wanted to bring that up again. Like the, it, it goes hand in hand with, like you said, with the Dallas stuff, the, the coaching decisions being weird. Just again, we're giving Brandon Bolden prime and important rushes that end up going nowhere. Cause you know, that's, that's worked out in the past. We should keep doing that. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. For opposite day, but um, I don't know if he plays, maybe Josh McDaniels, you know, was sitting there thinking maybe this is the Brandon Bolden breakout game and you can use him in more offensive schemes and stuff like that. No, that's, that's not a good idea. Don't use your special teams guys in prominent roles unless their name's Justin Bethel. Cause that's the only time it's worked out this season. Yeah. It's not a, not my favorite thing to be honest. All right. Just making sure. Just win. Like that's really the message here. They just got to win this game. If you know, if they, if they lose this game, I'm calling it like no playoffs. Like I'm saying oh, the season's over. Them. If they lose this game, are you kidding me? I don't drop care what L kind word. of run they go like, on. Like it's just over. It's fully. a lock. I'll say it for you. You can start, like I said, counting down spots to uh, draft picks, and then people Derek get Derek Stingley mad. watch. Yeah. Um, yeah, they might have some new corners in the mix. We'll see if that works out. Um, my prediction, I think it's going to be like more high scoring than the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense is terrible, so I'm giving the Jets 23 points. Um I don't know. I just feel like Zach Wilson's going to want to play better and he will to some extent and they'll put some points up and all that fun stuff. But the Patriots will score 31 and beat him 31 to 23. All right. I'm on the opposite side of things for you. I saw the Patriots winning. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, again, I don't trust the jets. I don't trust Wilson to, you know, I think he'll play better than he did in that first game, but I just don't think there's enough offensive talent on that team to put up as many points as you have. So I have it being kind of a lower Scoring game, 24-13 Patriots. I just think you're going to get one of those boring, like, kind of grinded out wins that, like, isn't fun to watch in the slightest. I think, obviously, like, you'll, you'll have, the Patriots, I think, will have success running the football. I think you'll see a good game from Damian Harris, stuff like that. But I just don't think this is going to be one of the prettier, like, games to go back and watch. So that was a good game to sit through and watch. Like, I, I just, something about this. Maybe it's just the way these two teams are playing right now that I just think this game is not going to be – all that entertaining. Yeah, me neither. We're in 
we're in agreement there. All right, I think so. But yeah, that's about it for Patriots. Uh, just win. Yeah, that's that's my motto. <laughs> seems, to, seems to be the consensus at this point. Just win. Like, just yeah. give us something to hook. Because that's what I mean. Like, even even if they win this game, like we're gonna be sitting here next Wednesday being like, all right, they they beat the Jets like they were supposed to, but like it's not a win you're gonna feel good about. Like they could come out and kill this team like forty-five to nothing, and you'd be like, all right, they beat the Jets. Like, go go beat the Chargers, which I we don't think they will. So. I feel like we'll be right back where we are two weeks from now, kind of sitting here going, okay, well, they still haven't proven anything. And now we're just still kind of down in the dumps on this team and don't have a ton to talk about from the positive standpoint. Yeah, that's, I can't think of a better way to put it. Mm. Um, the Bruins, as we shift gears. Yeah. Give us some positivity. Let's, let's get the, the hope and the spirit back up a little bit. They won on Saturday, which feels like a year ago. Um, they won three to one over the Dallas Stars, which is always good. Stars currently third in the Central. You know, removed a few days removed from that game now. Uh, Jeremy Swayman, I think, is my biggest takeaway in this game. Uh, he looked really good in net, which is what you had hoped. Uh, would have hoped for. He is starting tonight. Uh, tough start with the Atkinson goal, but. Yeah, he just, you know, instilled some confidence. You know, he gets the nod over over Omar for the first two games. So you're hoping he gets some of that vote of confidence. He looked great as usual. Brad Marchand became the first NHL player since Chris Kelly as a Bruin in 2013. Scored team's season opening goal on a penalty shot. Matt Sundin is the only other player ever to do that. He did that with the Maple Leafs in 2006. Um, the whole third line got on the board on Jake DeBrus' goal. So that's cool. Um, nice to see. They look pretty good over the Absolutely. course of the night. Uh, Marshawn Barry is an empty netter, and Jack Edwards just goes nuts. Admiral Haskin, which made no sense. Yeah, um, I was gonna ask you how you felt about that because that was crazy. Like I, I couldn't believe it. He thought it was a slew foot because Haskin kind of got like tied up around uh Marshawn's leg. Yeah, it just wasn't a slew foot. It was a little dumb by tasting i think it was like avoidable but it's not even close to suspendable or findable um it was the most wild thing to happen in the game it was a pretty standard game um nothing crazy for me you know the win's good marshall getting the board twice you know scoring on a penalty shot to score start a season is historic but that was just wild i didn't hear it because i was out for a friend's birthday party so i was watching um in a restaurant didn't hear the audio but i saw it on twitter after unbelievable like i i can't believe he actually said that like yeah he as soon as i'm like oh, here we go again we're one game in and it's prime jack edwards losing his mind over something minor like and you know he's he you know anytime they play the stars now he's gonna bring it up yep absolutely yep he's or after something like that happens similar he'd be like well that reminds me of the time miro haskin and tried to break brad marshall's fucking ankle yeah. or something like <laughs> yeah or if God, so God forbid a Bruin does get penalized against the Stars for like a slew foot or a trip or something. Oh, look. Yeah, the referees exactly. know how to call something. Yeah. Or that was, so just, wasn't called back in two months, whenever they play Dallas next. Two or three months. They'll do the evil laugh. They'll do the yeah. evil laugh. <laughs> what the, that was from a game like 2008. That's a crazy, that's a classic Jack Edwards clip. I think mm-hmm. playing the Flyers, ironically enough, in that game. Uh, delayed penalty on the Flyers, speaking of them. So the Bruins get the first power play of the night. That ridiculous um, new top power play unit. 
The uh, Philadelphia Flyers get the Rasmus Ristolainen experience. It's his first game of the season, first as a Flyer, and he took a penalty. That's what he Sounds does. He is right. dumb. Yeah. He's a Neanderthal. He's bad hockey. Um, but, yeah, they're playing Philly That's right mean. now. Off to a decent start. 1-0-1, seventh at the Metro. Uh, the Metro's looking pretty good early on in the season. Uh, Swayman gets second straight start, like I said. Joel Farabee leads them in scoring with two goals and two assists coming into this one. Excuse me. Carter Hart is having a solid start to the season stats-wise. He has let in some wonky goals. Um, I think it was the Canucks game. He let in, like, two, one from the goal line and one from behind the net or, like, off the carom off the boards. So he's still looking a little leaky, but, you know, 243 goals against the average 921 save percentage isn't too bad. Um, we talked about it last week. They're a good team. I really like what they did in the offseason for the most part, um, and the Bruins are currently losing to them. Hopefully not for long with this power play, but currently losing. Then you got, uh, you know, a normal break in between games. You play the Buffalo Sabres in Buffalo two weeks later, or uh, two days later, not two weeks later. That would be abnormal. Um, Are the Buffalo Sabres in Some people are asking. I think those people might be delusional, but (laughs) seeing that Buffalo literally does the same thing every single season and they get off like a – 14 and two and one or whatever craziness you want to say start and then just completely tank the rest of the season. Like, yeah, they're just like, they lead the league in classic pranks. That's the only thing they lead the league in besides like wins right now. They're like tied. Zemgis Gergensen's and Colin Miller lead them in goal scoring. So, you know, (laughs) if you had that on your uh, season predictions, good for you. Absolutely. Craig Anderson and Dustin Tukarski are just playing phenomenal in net. Craig Anderson, two and oh. 1.50 1.50 goals against and a 9.54, and Tukarski's 1-0 with a .92 and a 9.52. So, yeah. That. Didn't even know Craig Anderson was playing for them, so that's that goes to show you. <laughs> They've only allowed four goals in three games. That's pretty good. And Jeff Skinner and Kyle Poso look good, both of them. Um, had multi-point nights, I believe, both of them last night. We're in, like, 2015 or something, I'm convinced. <laughs> Seems um, like and it. Tage Thompson, who has been pretty bad to start his young career, moves to center, and he's having a little break out to start the year. Maybe it'll continue, maybe it won't. Um, the Sabres are strange, but, you know, like you said, if history follows suit, they'll fuck it up. Like, they'll it's die almost inevitable. by December. Yeah, it's almost inevitable. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you got another, um, another game two days later against the San Jose Sharks. Another team uh, doing better than expected early on, second place in the Pacific, won their first two games. Um, only allowed three goals in two games pretty good just like the Sabres you know not letting up a lot of goals Eric Carlson looked pretty good um kind of looking like the Eric Carlson of old at times not that he fell off that hard but he leads the team along with Timo Meyer with a goal and three assists um very younger before was a lot of rookies Jonathan Dahlin got on the board for the first time in his career Jasper Weatherby has as well uh kid from the University of North Dakota and um, William Eklund has his first point, but he has not scored yet. They got a lot of youth. Um, you know, they're like a hybrid rebuild, weirdest rebuild in the league, I'd say. Um, and Evander Kane is out of the picture for a while for being the biggest dumbass in the league. He's a, he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, like it's, to it's, put it bluntly, he needs help. Like, he seriously needs help. Um, he's, he's just an, an advanced form of stupid. Um, I couldn't believe that when I saw that the other day. Sorry to cut you off, but the fact that he faked a COVID vaccine card, whatever the hell it was that I sent, I'm like, this has to be a joke. Like, there's no way. 
Yeah, some people How could you be are that just like stupid? professional idiots. <laughs> yeah, and another team with a uh, not so great goalie that's playing better than expected. Aiden Hill is two and zero with a one point five zero goals against the average and nine thirty two save percentage. Um, so the Sharks are doing stuff that we didn't really expect them to do, but part of that is because they uh, blew the doors off of the Montreal Canadiens five to nothing last night. Canadians are in total disarray. Yeah, what's wrong with them? No carry price. Shea Weber's probably never going to play a game again um, with all the injury stuff he's got going on. What else? What else? What else? <laughs> Mike Hoffman hasn't played yet. Uh, he's going to debut Check soon, though. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of in a tough spot. Obviously, you lose Philip Deneau, who was a tremendously effective um, three-zone center for them last year, uh, to the LA Kings, who are – you know, playing pretty good. Andre Anze Kopitar is leading the league in scoring. Um, and the Bruins, speaking of scoring, just get on the board shortly after the power play expires. Carson oh, Kuhlman. Right after I turn the, the channel off, they'll see what the Celtics were doing. Carson Kuhlman picks up the rebound uh, to tie the game. Love that. Let's take a look at the replay here. Trent Frederick takes back to the point. Point shot deflects. No sick. Throws it back to Frederick. Rebound. Kicks off a defenseman, I think. And Kuhlman just buries it. A classic fourth liner goal. Um, love to see that. Hits off the inside of the skate of uh who's that? Travis Sandheim and right to Carson Coleman. He's pumped. Uh the new look fourth line gets their first goal on the board. Hopefully the first of many, because you know, looking to change up that identity in the bottom six. Sneaks it in the nine hole, um, right under the armpit of Carter Hart, who I assume is in net. Um, I honestly didn't even notice who it is, but you know, goes in. Carson Coleman ties the game with 312 left for the Bruins. Um, the refs are talking about something. Not sure what's up. Uh... Offsides or something. Oh, come on. Let's let's not, please. Um, talking to Bruce Cassidy. He put up a timeout sign, which I don't think anybody's taking a timeout. No. Uh, so not sure why he did that. Really know. not sure what's going on here. And, you know, not having the audio on. Like, right? Yeah, let's uh, go into commercial now. All right. Um, well, to be deter- then, uh, to be continued. Yeah, I guess so. Um, Florida, that'll be the last game until we record again next week. Uh, Florida looks really good, and that's to be expected because they are really good. Um, they're tied with the Buffalo Sabres for the first in the Atlantic. Uh, Alexander Barkov has three goals and two assists already. He looks great as usual. Um, Sergey Bobrovsky and Spencer Knight are both playing good as well. Um, Bobrovsky's 2-0, 248 goals against average, a 935 save percentage. And Spencer Knight beat the defending champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning last night in his first start of the season. He's 1-0 with a 1 goals against and a 968 save percentage. Uh, who the Bruins will get, obviously, remains to be seen. For me, I'd like to see it be Spencer Knight because I'm a BC fan. Love Spencer Knight. Uh, but kind of a tough week, like sneaky tough week if um, these teams can keep it up. You know, we expected the Florida game to be tough, but Buffalo, San Jose, um, they're looking affordable at least for now, so maybe they give you some fits, but overall, I think uh, the Bruins should probably win the next two games. Uh, you know, Tonight's a little tougher, and then Florida will be a good test early in the season. Any thoughts from you? Uh, did you watch much of the season over? I caught a little bit of it. I was obviously watching the Red Sox game more. So um, 
when the Red Sox were fun to watch at this, this point. Um, but yeah, a lot of the same, the same things you echoed kind of good to see DeBrusque obviously get off to a hot start. We saw him obviously score in, uh, I was going to say spring training, um, but in the preseason. So, you know, obviously good to see him jump on with that and continue his success there. Um, the one thing I was just kind of curious about, if you surprised at all, I was a little surprised that they decided to start swimming again tonight, obviously played well against Dallas, but I just didn't know if, uh, they would go with Olmar, give him an, an early tester if you think they're saving him for maybe with his, I don't know if Bruce Cassidy's thinking this, but maybe with his struggles in the preseason to get going, maybe the easier task of Buffalo or San Jose compared to Philadelphia tonight. Or are you a little surprised at all they went back to Swayman again for the second game of the year now? Yes and no. Um, I like, I am and I'm not because, you know, he played good. They want to give him another look and I think, you know, part of the reason they're giving Omar the Sabres game is his first game back at Buffalo. Oh, um, true. I obviously, they don't want to. They don't want to give Swayman three in a row. Obviously, that's just not a uh-huh. very common thing these days in the NHL for pretty much all teams. Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's really just you know giving Swayman another shot, and um, maybe we see a two-two-one type of thing for a lot mm-hmm. of the season. But I'm not really too surprised. But um, at the same time, you know. I wouldn't have been surprised on the flip side if they went with old Mark tonight. So mm-hmm. some people are like freaking out already about the goalie controversy that doesn't exist. Um, That's a massive controversy. Wait, what yeah, is the what first is, game of two guys? Hold on. The Bruins, out, what am I missing? The Bruins are both teams are going to the locker room. What the hell? What is happening? Now they're coming back out. I don't know what's going on. This I'm turning the audio up. I need. To... I was just—I have the sound halfway up, but I don't have it just in case it doesn't come through the thing. Let me see if Twitter says anything or has yeah, anything. Just thinking that because I just turned that back on too. Like you said, I just saw Bruce Cass and everybody coming back down the uh, coming from the tunnel. So, so strange. I don't know what happened? There's, yeah, there's nothing, nothing that I can find on Twitter that has anything to do with the any. If, honestly, anything to do with the Bruins? I'm all in Celtics and. Red Sox stuff right now. But I'm yeah, the game's back on. I genuinely, yeah, I can't find anything on All Twitter. Right. I guess we're just in a shroud of mystery. Um, Seems like Con- it. Connor Ryan has it perfectly just now of the gif of uh, Grandpa from The Simpsons walking into the restaurant. And going right back out, yeah. yeah. Going right back out. That's essentially what they did. Um, very weird. Very weird. Throwing off the show a little bit here. Philly, Seems come on. Like it. Get it's it together. Trying, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, things look pretty good for the Bruins. Tied it up right now. Hopefully, you know, things will stay good almost at intermission. Um, have not see what the Celtics are doing. If they're doing, you know, about the same, keeping things they interesting. They were tied but... last time I looked right before the Bruins had their fiasco of not knowing if they wanted to stay in a locker room or not. Yeah. The Bruins are uh, – the Celtics are up four points right now with eight seconds left in the, uh, the first quarter. Nice. Um, so, the fourth line gets on the board uh, – Actually, didn't even pick up on this until I just saw a notification. First point for Tomas Nosek. So that's cool as a Bruin. Of course, not in his career. But, yeah, nothing really to complain about here for the Bruins. Uh, see, they get a, underway in this first week with a nice uh, test on the 27th against the Panthers, who are bound to be pretty good this year. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, of course. And hope for the best, like we always do. Exactly. It's the theme. Um mm-hmm. The Red Sox, we are uh, not in a great spot with the Red Sox right now. No, because I was going to, as I planned this, obviously 
hoping that things would go well tonight. I wanted obviously to touch on oh, you know how, what happens. Charlie Coyle just got bundled. <laughs> He's going at it with wrist line too. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're um, good. I was just gonna say I was gonna talk about you know how well the pitching or how good the pitching has been for the Red Sox compared to the Astros, but that's kind of got flipped on its head tonight and especially the other night. Uh, so I figured we'll skip that, kind of go into game four reactions and then just game five thoughts that have happened right now. Um, obviously game four, kind of the biggest thing that happened and then has transitioned unfortunately into game five is that the Red Sox offense has gone completely cold looking at games two and three, uh, obviously game two in Houston, game three, Fenway, what they were able to do, 21 runs, 22 hits, 11 extra base hits, seven home runs. I think they tied and broke a, a postseason home run record the other night. Um, but then game four, obviously they only have two runs scored, five hits, three extra base hits, walked seven times, did leave 19 men on base, which is insane. Um, just kind of going off the walks and stuff out of the seven walks the Red Sox had. Just one of those runs scored. It was Devers on the, the Bogarts two-run home run. And then just to make matters worse, they had a, a runner run in every inning last night except the seventh. Uh, of course, like I said, they only scored twice. Uh, tonight, not much better. Uh, just kind of looking quickly at the stats here. Six guys left on base, three hits uh, over so far, seven, eight innings of work. So as of right now, it would appear that we are heading to Houston with the Astros up three games to two, and the Red Sox have their backs against the wall. Um, Some of the big thoughts from game four, though, obviously, if you watch the game, uh, it was not the biggest reason the Red Sox lost, because I, in my opinion, just told you the biggest reason they lost is they just stopped hitting last night. But once again, the umpires play a factor in a pretty pivotal game, because a lot of people I've seen on Twitter tonight, too, have kind of said, well, Laz Diaz flipped the game on its or the series on its head with one call. Um, of course, the call being the missed curveball, the missed strike that Evaldi threw last night, which would have struck out Jason Castro. Instead, the it back extends, he singles, and then uh, Alex Cora makes the boneheaded decision to bring Martin Perez in, and then the floodgates open up. Just some thoughts on the Laz Diaz stuff, some tweets that came out about how bad he has been, and um, maybe why the MLB should go to robot umps. This was from Jeff Passan last night saying, quote, home plate umpire Laz Diaz has missed 21 ball strike calls tonight, according to ESPN Stats Info. That is the most of any umpire this postseason. And then he had a graphic to go along with it. So just kind of going off of that. So the green dot in the upper right-handed corner is the Evaldi curveball that would have ended top of the ninth with a score 2-2. It's now 9-2. He also followed that tweet up with Laz Diaz is now up to 23 missed ball strike calls tonight. Worth noting, 12 of them were pitches thrown by Red Sox pitchers. 11 of them were thrown by pitchers of the Astros. But the one everyone, at least in Boston, at least everyone in Boston is going to remember is the Nathan Eovaldi curb. Alex Spear today, I saw on Twitter, looking through just kind of some reactions from Laz Diaz stuff. He had some, some tweets and some stats as well. He was looking at its umpire scorecards on Twitter that kind of rules and grades all the umpires, how they do gaining to game uh this was diaz's overall rating from the other night 88 percent uh and then his overall consistency was 97 percent the alex spear tweet that was referring to this as well he said quote the 87.6 percent accuracy rating for diaz was the worst of any umpire in any game this postseason per at ump scorecards so just again kind of you know obviously it sucks to see obviously a bad call like that kind of ruin a game kind of sway a game like it did or swing a game like it did but i just i don't know if you felt differently if you thought that was kind of the turning point if you were kind of more on my side of things like they just red sox couldn't get anything going offensively last night they had Granky on the ropes it seemed like in the first inning and then just didn't do anything afterwards couldn't get anybody in had plenty of chances but obviously that the last day of stuff didn't help he had a call earlier in the game too i didn't even mention uh the strike three on martinez i think in the third inning that was a fastball that was about five inches off the outside corner that called called strike three. Alex Cora almost got thrown out arguing that one. Um, so just kind of where your thoughts were. I know I threw a lot 
quickly kind of recap game four before we just kind of jump into live reactions here from game five. If you thought Diaz was more, like I said, more the reason to blame or just kind of the offense just going to sleep. Yeah. It's, it's Diaz. Like I'm just going to fall into the majority here. Um, mm-hmm. By the way, the Bruins just let up a goal. I just saw that. Yeah. Right before the half. Right, um, yeah. Right before the period ended. Yeah. Just like a broken play that, made his way through a bunch of people and Joel Farabee, who we just talked about a little bit, buried it. Um, Charlie Coy was in the box for uh, retaliation on Travis Sanheim after he got buried. Um, I said it was funny earlier. I just realized that sounded weird. Watching huge players get bundled to me is just always funny. Like, I don't care if they're on the Bruins. It's just a funny look. Um, But back to the Red Sox. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks that when shit like this happens and a call has to be the theme of the game, um, it, you know, just prevails over the fact that the Red Sox allowed seven runs in the ninth inning, which is way worse. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but you know, it's, it sucks, especially in such a pivotal game when, um, especially when that type of um, bad call overshadows things. So mm. It definitely wasn't the main reason they lost. I think seven, you know, runs is definitely much more of a reason. But yeah, it's it's a sore thumb type of situation for sure. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Because I saw a lot of people last night, obviously, bring it up, and then tonight I'm seeing it once again. There's another legitimate case you can make for tonight. Uh, a lot of people have been down on Alex Cora the last couple of nights. The decisions he made. Uh, some of the things I saw, there were some people just to run through, like I said, my thoughts quickly on this before I get yours. There were some people that were kind of complaining on Twitter. I saw that, you know, they pulled Pavetta too early. Pavetta obviously pitched five great innings uh, through just 65 pitches. And then, of course, the Red Sox pulled him, went to Josh Taylor for the sixth. I don't necessarily get on him for that because if you look at that sixth inning, obviously you had two lefties coming up and Brantley and Alvarez and Alvarez, as we're watching tonight, is just kicking the living crap out of the Red Sox. Um but I don't, yeah, I mean, obviously you like to see Pavetta have success. The Red Sox all season um, have kind of been stingy with him, haven't let him face the lineup three times through. So I thought that that move was fine. I blame Cora last night more so for having Ottavino come in. And of course, Ottavino came in after Taylor couldn't get Alvarez out. He ended up singling and that brought Correa up. So then Alvarez, or rather Ottavino had to face him. I blame Cora more so for letting Ottavino face Correa, strike him out. And then he went to Whitlock for some reason in the very next inning to get the six, seven, and eight hitters. If I would have just stuck with Ottavino, because like I said, he blew Correa away on four pitches, struck him out. So I thought there was a little, little bit of mismanagement there. And then the other big thing too, from the other night, obviously we just talked about it. Eovaldi was on the mound in the ninth inning. Um, I saw some people say Eovaldi wasn't the guy to go to like that. I don't know why you would put him out there. I don't mind that call. I thought honestly with Pavetta coming out. And then as we got later in the game, I was sitting there, all right, you know, maybe you go to Whitlock, uh, for the seventh and the eighth and the Evaldi for the ninth. And then if you have a lead, obviously you go for the kill shot, that, which would have been having Evaldi come out there. And so some people say, you know, you don't go to Evaldi in a tie game. Um, Corey, he defended at the end of the game. You know, he said they wanted to use Evaldi. And I think he said in a certain pocket is how he worded it. Um, so, you know, situation type of thing like that. So that I didn't mind that move either. I mean, Evaldi has been nails this postseason, ever since you got him postseason wise, obviously, you know, his pedigree, what he's been able to do. Um, I don't know. I just, there were some moves last night that didn't make any sense for me for core tonight, I think has been more egregious. I think obviously sale, a lot of people 
have echoed this thought I've seen on Twitter is he let sale pitch too many innings. Salem's been going five and a third gives up three hits, two earned runs, obviously tough to see Kyle Schwarber make a pretty pivotal, pivotal error, um, which now again, the people that'll jump on the, Oh, you know, Kyle Schwarber's not a first base, but you shouldn't have him play in there. Those type of people um, they'll have something to, to fall back on, but you know, sale obviously pitched really well for the five innings he pitched. I thought maybe you haven't pitched those five innings and then get him out of there because he did enough to, to keep you in the game, give you a win. But again, the offense has fallen apart. And then I saw some people say too, that uh, having Hunter Renfro come up with a couple guys on base in the bottom of the fifth to only grind into a double play. And that kind of, again, turned the tides. Um, so kind of a rough last couple nights for Cora. Obviously he's a guy that we've kind of come to know is seems to push all the right buttons, but maybe his armor has cracked a little bit tonight. I don't know if you have any kind of overarching thoughts on that or, just, you know, I don't want to say his luck has run out because I think that's kind of too too crazy to say. But, it's, like I said, some cracks in the armor are starting to show here. Yeah, the one that sticks out to me, and, you know, this is different than a lot of teams, six, seven, eight hitters. I don't really, like, I don't really love the Whitlock one because I get it because, you know, Tucker and Gurriel are both pretty good, McCormick's whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think you could have stuck with Ottavino a little longer at the bottom of the lineup. And then yeah, you have Whitlock for the top of the lineup where the prime mm-hmm. guys are. Um, the Evaldi one, I don't really hate because it's a tie game, but like it's a huge game. Like mm-hmm. you want your best guy available out there. I like him going for that. Of course, it didn't work, but I don't know. It's one of those things where if it went the opposite way you could have been like all right why didn't they put Evaldi in like you know what, what are they waiting yeah. for it's a second um, guessing regardless I feel like yeah there's a lot of that's you know a lot of what baseball is especially in the postseason oh, um sure. it's a retrospect type of thing but yeah I'm not like I'm not freaking out at core I think you know the biggest thing for me is of course like I said the seven runs and the bats drying up at the worst possible time mm-hmm that's the biggest thing. I mean, I said this last night to a buddy of mine watching the game work. I'm like, you have to keep, you can't sit on your two, nothing lead at the time or two, one lead at the time rather. Cause Bregman Homer in the first inning. And then obviously they, they didn't lead tonight, but like, you just, you can't fall asleep at the wheel against this Astros team. The lineup is too deep. Say what you will about this team. But like we talked about it in the, the preview coming up, this was going to be a series of which team out slugged the other one more. And obviously you saw the Red Sox do that in games two and three, but now the Astros have kind of flipped the script and, they're doing it. It seems like now more when it matters most and they've gotten the better of the last two nights. And like I said, now it's going to be tough going into Houston, most likely down three games to two. You're going to, I think I'm assuming you're going to have Eduardo Rodriguez on the mound, which obviously he pitched really well. So hopefully he can give you another solid start and keep you in the game. Um, but I would argue Chris sale did that tonight. I saw, again, there's some people on Twitter that were down on Chris sale. I don't know how you can be like, again, I, I put more on core for leaving him out there too long. And then, you know, he did enough, I think, to, to keep you in the game. Obviously, your offense has let you down the last couple nights. So you, you need the offense to wake up. Uh, I would strongly consider, I mean, I don't even know what they have left to go with bench-wise that would replace him, but I would strongly consider getting Hunter Renfro out of the lineup. Or if you don't do that, just move him down in the lineup to 8th, ninth, because he's giving you literally nothing right now production-wise. Like, yeah, his defense is great, but, you know, maybe, especially in Houston with the Crawford boxes, maybe you can get away with putting Schwaber out in left field and then <sighs> – crazy to say but you know maybe put Dahlbeck in first base that moves uh, Verdugo to right field like you got to do something because like I said Renfro's giving you nothing and the offense is taking a nap at the worst possible time yeah 
that's really it. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, do you think they um, kept Sale in for as long as he did? Because overall, he was pitching you know, better than he has all postseason, and they kind of wanted to like make up for some innings he didn't really give you because he's playing so bad, or do you think it's just like they felt like rolling with him and it's no, situation I th- type I th- of thing? I think they just felt like rolling with them. I mean, he made a couple of really good pitches earlier in the game to get out of some trouble. I think they were obviously riding off the high of that, but like, I just think, I think core kind of missed, missed his chance to get him out of here at the first sign yeah. of danger. And then it just kind of also like, I mean, that inning too. I mean, the only ball that I can remember that was hit solid was the double from Alvarez, which again, like that was, I put a mistake on that for core too. Like that's a guy I know Correa is on deck, but like you, you have to, the guy was at the time, I think what, two for two, three for three with a home run and a double. Like you got to pitch him more carefully than Sale did. Like I, I would have put him on honestly. Like I would have taken my chances with the bases loaded with Correa. I know that's crazy to say, but you know Correa hadn't had the best game so far tonight. Alvarez was killing you, so that's just another mistake there. I again, I to answer your question, I just I I think they were trying to ride with Sale as long as they could, and then mm-hmm. like I just said, Cora missed his opportunity to take him out, and that ended up coming back to hurt him. Yeah. Um... They're saying on the radio, I was listening on the way home that Sale was throwing his, his you know highest heat at times of the year. So, you know, good to see that in such an important game. He was fired yeah, up into that yeah. big strikeout, screaming into his glove. Um, I don't know if they mentioned this on the TV broadcast at all, but the uh, WEI broadcast team of Castiglione, uh, Fleming, and McDonough had noticed that um, what's Sanchez. Fromber Sanchez, that's the mm-hmm. name, right? Um, oh, Valdez. Valdez, not Sanchez. I knew that felt weird. Um, <laughs> they kept on mentioning that he was, you know, he had a, he was sweating a lot. And there was one patch where he wasn't sweating and he kept touching it over and over again in between pitches. And they were oh, kind I, of situated that it was pine tar. I don't know if they talked about on the broadcast no, at all. Definitely but, didn't mention that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, he kept on like hitting the same spot in his neck. And it, there wasn't any sweat on it. It was shiny. And they, they were like insinuating they thought he had um, the sticky stuff. But I don't know. I, I was the, just curious if they had uh, said anything on the actual broadcast. No, the only thing they said on the broadcast, and now I'm seeing it all over Twitter too. I don't know if you saw it, was the they had to stop play at one point because there was a flashlight or a light yeah. shining in the garage door. Like I saw a lot of people saying, you know, the Astros were cheating, which uh, – I wouldn't say that. I think core was the one that pointed it out. And then for the people that were saying the Red Sox were, were cheating, it's like they're down seven to one. Like if they're cheating, they're doing something wrong. <laughs> like, so I think it was just kind of, I saw they showed it on the broadcast. I'm like, I think all that is, is just a guy shining a flashlight in the garage. Like there's nothing to take from that. Cause then I mean, people were like, Oh, as soon as the umpires pointed it out, it went out. It's like, yeah, they, if it was like a grounds crew guy or something like that, or a maintenance guy out there, and obviously you have everybody looking at you and people are saying like, probably gonna say, Hey, shut that thing off. Like I saw some people make a little bit more out of that than that they should have. Like that was nothing. Nobody's cheating in this. Like just kind of stupid shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. That was just funny. It was just, you know, oh it's nothing, but everybody over, not everybody, but you know, a large group of people will buy into it. So that's just always one thing. funny. So I was reacting to that was just the can I turn the Celtics game back on? That was some of the worst basketball I just watched. Romeo Langford, who if you've listened to the show, as we kind of transition to the Celtics stuff, everybody knows I love him. Um, just had a wide open layup under the basket that he decided to pump fake a guy on. Then when the guy came to cover him, tried to pass it out to Grant Williams and someone from the Knicks stole it. So that's the Romeo Langford experience for you in a 
in a nutshell, one game into the season so far. So yeah, my hope that they when they drafted him that he would become Romeo Bangford because he'd be banging threes um, has not come to fruition yet. Like no, four years stinks. later, yeah. So I don't know. Some people have some optimism for him. We're not really in that camp. No, uh, it's I'm nine not. to one. Astros. Yeah, I just saw that notification. I looked on my phone and Perez had the bases loaded with one out, and now Yuli Gurriel singled to make it nine to one. So. I mean, Bill six. I don't know why Martin Perez, like I didn't even mention him, but I don't know why he's on a postseason roster. If he's on a roster next year for some team, good luck to them. You're an idiot for signing that guy to a contract. Yeah, this, this is, uh, this has turned into the season of the Martin Perez. You originally expected, um, that we didn't see in the bridge season last year. So yeah, yeah that's, that's true. Yeah, so, yeah. I'm finally, Finally got one prediction right when it came to Red Sox stuff, and that is that Martin Perez sucks and shouldn't be anywhere near a baseball field at this point. Yeah. But, yeah, NBA, we haven't talked about the Celtics in a long time. Yeah, they finally get something to talk about with them. Obviously, like I said, everybody's on right now. They have started playing against the Knicks. They are currently up 50 50 to 38. I thought Tatum was going to hit that three. Um, But, yeah, obviously the NBA season kicked off last night. So the Golden State Warriors take down the Los Angeles Lakers, 121 to 114. Uh, And then the defending champion, Milwaukee Bucks, they took down the Brooklyn Nets, the Kyrie Irving-less Brooklyn Nets that we'll talk a little bit about when we do some bold predictions and stuff like that and discover overall thoughts. Uh, The defending uh, champion Bucks, they took down Brooklyn, 120. 7 to 104 uh, like we did back at Merrimack for you know Celtic stuff I thought we kind of very quickly run through you know our standing predictions kind of awards if you want to get into that NBA obviously finals predictions like I said some storylines keep an eye out on um, so I'll run through mine very quickly obviously uh, these stats and stuff these predictions taken Bleacher Report I looked at today they had kind of their predictions and stuff like that uh, so this is where I'm kind of basing my Predictions off of stuff like that. Eastern Conference wise, uh, the top eight seeds. I have Milwaukee taking the number one spot. I think, I think Kyrie Irving being out is going to hurt Brooklyn a little bit. I don't think it's going to hurt them too much because um, obviously they still have guys like KD and James Harden. But in the long run, I think Brooklyn, or rather Milwaukee, I think they take the top spot in the conference. Brooklyn finished the second. Miami, a retooled Miami team. Now they have Kyle Lowry. They got Demar Derozan. That's a dangerous team. I think they finished third. Surprise some people. Philadelphia is a big one to watch out for because of you know what's going to go on with Ben Simmons. I think on the flip side of things, like with Brooklyn, I think not having Ben Simmons that's that's going to you know linger with the 76ers. So I think they take a step back. Uh, they finish fourth. Chicago, same thing as Miami. They retooled the season. I think they come in fifth. They might surprise some people with, you know, the moves they've made. Boston, we talked about them. I think they're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. I hope they kind of have a similar season like I talked to you. I think it was last week. Maybe it was uh, another person I talked to about it. But I hope they kind of have a Red Sox type of season where no, not a lot of people predict them to do a whole lot or, you know, make a lot of noise. Maybe they'll prove some people wrong. Uh, but I have them sixth in the conference. I just think there's, you know, too many good teams, too many teams that made some substantial improvements like Chicago, like Miami. Uh, maybe some people could throw the Knicks into that category as well. I'm not going to though. Uh, the seventh seed, I have it being Atlanta. And then I have the Knicks finishing out the eighth seed, uh, Indiana, Charlotte, Toronto, Washington, Cleveland, Detroit, and Orlando are the teams that don't make the playoffs for me in the Western conference. Uh, I've kind of come to the same thing I've come to with Tom Brady. You never bet against Tom Brady. Uh, I would never bet against LeBron James. Cause I feel like, the season the Lakers had last year, kind of a letdown with some injuries. LeBron uh, not being at full strength. Anthony Davis, especially not being at full strength. I had the Lakers, you know, regaining 
retaking the top seed out West Phoenix. Number two, of course they got as far as the NBA finals last year and ended up having a crushing loss for them. I think they bounced right back Utah three, Denver four, Dallas five, Golden State makes some noise. I think obviously not having Clay Thompson to start the season is going to hurt them a little bit. I think Steph obviously will pick up the slack, but when Clay comes back, whenever that might be, I think they kind of make a run a little bit of a run late. The Clippers, I didn't realize this until the other night when we were, uh, I had some friends of mine from work. We did the last second NBA uh, fantasy basketball draft. I didn't realize that Kawhi Leonard is going to be out for the majority of the season, maybe the whole season, but I think a torn ACL, torn Achilles, whatever it might be. So that's going to hurt the Clippers. Obviously they still have Paul George, but obviously not having Kawhi as part of that dynamic duo is going to hurt them in the long run. So I have them finishing seventh and then Portland, obviously Damian Lillard's a big name to keep an eye on. I think the trailblazers finish eighth with Memphis, Minnesota, Sacramento, San Antonio, New Orleans, Houston, and Oklahoma city finishing as the uh, playoff teams that don't are the teams that don't make the playoffs rather New Orleans. I feel like they're going to struggle. I've seen a lot of people say they might squeak into the playoffs. I think obviously not having Zion to start the year, he's hurt. They lose. Uh, and fat. Yeah. You told, I didn't even realize that you told me he's oh, what over 300 pounds. You texted me earlier, which yep. is, which is ridiculous. Like <laughs> that's, that's, that's not an NBA body. Like that's, that's not good. They lose him. They lose Lonzo Ball. Didn't really do a whole lot to replace them. They got some kind of some role guys, but I just don't think that's that's going to be enough for them. So I, I don't see them as a playoff team. Um, like I said, well, some other people think they might squeak in. That I, I still can't believe that. That's like I saw a picture of him the other day, and he looks way bigger than he did last year, which is obviously insane because he looked pretty huge last year. But now you know why. Zion's got an injury that nobody knows when he might be able to come back from. I think it's a foot injury or an ankle injury, something like that. That that would explain it. Three hundred pounds of you you got to hope or assume pure muscle, but who the hell knows? Yeah, Zion is fat. I like I had to double take when I saw the fact that he's over three hundred pounds. Uh, not sure how you know much over three hundred pounds he is, but uh, yeah, he is definitely fat. Um, mm-hmm. it's just funny. It's just it's funny. Ridiculous. I can't really say anything else. No. Um, my predictions, sort of similar. Um, definitely much more different in the East than um the West. But I have Milwaukee finishing number one. I just you know they're really good. That's pretty much it. Um, Brooklyn as well. I have Miami finishing third. Atlanta finishing fourth. I think Trey Young is going to take a huge step. Um, and take Atlanta into the top four. Uh, Philadelphia five, I think, you know, whenever they get rid of Ben Simmons, it's going to be good because they don't have a coward getting in the way on offense, but you know, he's pretty good defensively. So it'll hurt him a little bit, but they'll be right in the mix for four or five range. Um, Boston finishing sixth, uh, Chicago finishing seventh and the Knicks finishing eighth, uh, the Kevin Walker, uh, the, the Knicks with Kemba Walker, it's, um, I don't know, it just it kind of feels right seeing Kemba Walker as a Nick. I don't know really why, but it just does. Um, I have Indiana finishing ninth, uh, Cleveland finishing tenth. Um, I think Cleveland's going to be better than um, expected. I think they have a really good young starting five. Um, Toronto finishing eleven, Charlotte finishing twelfth, uh, Washington finishing thirteenth, Detroit fourteenth, and um, Orlando fifteenth. So yeah. Um, Detroit and Orlando are definitely going to be the worst two teams. Washington, whenever they treat Bradley Beal, um, things will get worse. But, you know, that might not happen for a while. So we'll see what happens with that. 
Um, mm. I have the Lakers finishing first, Phoenix finishing second, Utah finishing third, Golden State finishing fourth, Denver finishing fifth, Dallas sixth, um, excuse me, the Clippers seventh, uh, Portland eighth. I wanted to put Memphis there, but um, I'm going with Portland. That's another team. We have to wait and see what happens with them. When and if they trade Damian Lillard, um, Memphis, they're good, but one thing that really confused me with them this offseason was that Valanchunas trade. I don't really know if I like yeah, that for that them. Yeah, didn't make it. Yeah, a ton of sense. And Valanchunas just signed a like two year extension. I saw. I think today mm-hmm. uh, with the Pelicans. So that's good for them. Minnesota uh, finishing tenth. Sacramento eleventh. San Antonio twelfth. New Orleans thirteenth. Oklahoma City fourteenth. And Houston fifteenth. For MVP, uh, since my predictions are not as extensive as yours, I'll go first. Um, I have Nikola Jokic repeating. He's just awesome. I think it's, you know, he's going to be right in the mix. I have Evan Mobley winning um, Rookie of the Year with the Cavs. I like their young starting five. I think he's going to be pretty good. And then my boring annual um, NBA Finals <laughs> prediction because there's not a whole lot of parity all the time in this league. Um, I have Lakers only not. in six. And uh, the Celtics finishing 50, 46 and 36. I almost said 56. That would be astonishing. That'd be nice. Yeah, um, that'd be very nice. That's, that's but yeah, tops, I have 46 and 36. Yeah, that would definitely be tough in the East. Um, but yeah, 46 and 36 of the Celtics right around that five, six, seven range. Um, sneaking into the playoffs. Yeah, we can hope. I mean, that's like we, we've talked about that a lot. You know, we're just hoping for a competitive season from the Celtics because you and I both don't expect them to do a ton with, like I said, just how many other teams kind of improved. Obviously, you still have the big three of Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia. Even with there, like we said, we don't really know what's going to happen with – with. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name now. That's how insignificant he is for me with Ben Simmons. Um, but, yeah, the Celtics could definitely make some noise. I didn't realize I didn't even do my predictions before we jumped in – or my award predictions before we jumped into uh, to your standing stuff. So I'll double back and do mine. MVP, I think, Steph, uh, I think he gets back to MVP form. Obviously, he was – considerably in that form last season with what he was able to do with that Golden State team and kind of single-handedly dragged him to the playoffs. I think obviously having a healthy Draymond Green will help there. Having Clay Thompson back, like I said, like I said at some point will help Steph as well. So I think he kind of picks up right where he left off, and ha- left off and has a big bounce back season and wins another MVP. Rookie of the year, uh, this is mainly because I'm just hoping he does well for my fantasy basketball team. I have Jalen Green. Uh, a couple of friends of mine said he was probably the best pure scorer out of that draft, so I'll take that and ride with that. I think he'll maybe be the one bright spot for a Houston team that's probably not going to be that good this season. Defensive player of the year, I went with the boring option. I took Giannis. Um, I just think if he's not going to win MVP, he's going to win some award this year just because that's how great of a player he is, so I'll give him defensive player of the year. Uh, sixth man of the year, we already saw this get off to a good start last night. Patty Mills, I think, dropped 21 points off the Brooklyn bench. Um, he's a guy I wanted the Celtics, obviously, to go after. Thought he would have been a good fit for them, but he ends up signing in Brooklyn. Obviously, a guy that had a ton of success in San Antonio, so I think Mills will, especially if Kyrie Irving can't go or doesn't want to go or whatever his situation may be, um, I think the Brooklyn will have to lean more heavily on Patty Mills, and I think he'll, you know, blossom and flourish in that role coach of the year we have billy donovan obviously i said the bulls have retooled um and i think billy donovan obviously we saw what he did in okc some success that he had there i think he'll be good with the bulls as well most improved anthony edwards obviously kind of maybe strange to say because anthony edwards had such a great season as a rookie last year with minnesota i think he takes another leap forward and i think maybe helps minnesota maybe sniff a playoff spot they're going to have to do some work to get there and leapfrog some teams like memphis and portland but i think you know they have enough talent. They should be good enough to compete 
I think especially if Edwards can improve off of a good rookie season he had last year, then he'll definitely be obviously in consideration for most improved. Eastern Conference Finals, I have the boring pick, Brooklyn over Milwaukee in seven. Uh, Western Conference Finals, I have the Lakers. Like I said, I don't, I think at this point it's dumb to bet against LeBron. So I think, like I said, with all the reasons earlier, LeBron gets back to the finals. They beat Phoenix in six. And then you said your NBA prediction was boring without any parity. I went way more boring. I have the Lakers over the Nets in six. I think this is where uh, Brooklyn, if he sits out the entire season, uh, not having Kyrie will come into consideration or come into a big factor. Cause I think obviously Durant and Harden are such great players, but going up in a seven game series against the likes of LeBron and, and AD, I think that's just going to be too tough for them to overcome without that third star of Kyrie. I saw on ESPN today, walking through the office mm-hmm. that some people seem to think Russell Westbrook should be the sixth man in LA. That's idiotic. I don't I don't even like I couldn't even tell you one reason that makes sense. No, they don't, they don't make a trade like that for him to come off their bat. I don't know if they think because Rondo's back there, I think. So maybe they think Rondo's a better facilitator. Maybe that's the case. Maybe they think Rondo's a better facilitator for guys like LeBron and AD, but like Russell Westbrook's say we will about him. I mean, he's a guy that obviously puts up numbers year in and year out and they got him for a reason. They got him to get over the hump and get back to the, obviously the finals and win another one. So that, that would be insanely stupid if they would have him come off the bench. Like, Yeah, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, hmm. I didn't see it because my uh, stream isn't working, but the Bruins just let up another goal. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, yeah, things are not going great all around. Well, the Celtics great and the Knicks today. are tied at 52 right now, so maybe there's maybe that's a team that can pull it. I mean, the Bruins are great at comebacks last year, so maybe they can find that uh, that again and be able to mount a comeback late. But who knows? They still got time, right? It's only the second period. Yeah. Um, apparently, Xfinity is saying, as I'm using the Xfinity stream app, that my play just doesn't have any channels. So apparently, my oh, family perfect. doesn't have cable anymore. Oh right, that's a Breaking news for you. It's a classic nice, prank. Nice to have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, Red Sox just lost. Um, Shocker. I am upset because I would like to watch the Bruins, and now I can't. Hold so. on. I could maybe beat the Celtics games going into halftime, so I can do this and pull it up on mine, and I'll let you know what happens as we go through maybe some NBA storylines to keep an eye on, maybe some bold predictions. I don't know if you have any that you, you're thinking of, or you just want to jump in with mine. I had a couple of them I thought of today. Obviously, some ones, some more than more obvious than others. Um, of course, obviously, starting with one of the bigger ones, you know, Ben Simmons, what will he do in Philadelphia? Um, obviously, keep an eye on him. We saw the other day, he got thrown out of 76ers practice because he didn't want to do a defensive drill or just toss the basketball and Doc Rivers, whatever the story was, but Doc basically told him to get the hell out of practice if you don't want to be here. Um, so good for Doc Rivers, obviously a guy that's been around for a long time. He's not going to take any crap from a guy like Ben Simmons, who again is just acting like an absolute child. I don't know where the the sense of entitlement has come. We haven't really talked a lot about, you know, some of this off season stuff for the NBA, but that's one of the bigger stories is obviously Simmons kind of, I put it in the outline is Ben Simmons trying to James Harden his way out of Philadelphia and just not, show up and not care anymore um but i don't know why this is a guy that has really proven nothing in his career except what he's won rookie of the year and he's gone to a couple all-star games or hasn't i think he led the nba in assists maybe whatever the point is that he hasn't done anything in his career to act like this and obviously 
you know, say what you will about Joel Embiid. He had a nice little comment the other day after that practice that, you know, he's mm-hmm. basically said the team's not going to care what they don't care what, um, what Simmons does. They're going to move Didn't on. Didn't even drop his name. No, he, exactly. And then, you know, he just said, we obviously we have guys here that want to win. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, they, they're not going to worry about him. Simmons came back and uh, I pretty sure tried to say he was basically there, there Giannis with how he worded his comment where he was like, you know, the, the Bucks just won an NBA championship with Giannis, a guy who doesn't shoot from the field and who doesn't shoot jump shots. So, you know, basically if the 76ers could do something along the lines of that for me, instead of catering to Embiid is what he practically said, which again, I found comical, like you are nowhere near the talent that Giannis is. So just shut your mouth and go out there and play. Like, again, you, the sense of entitlement is crazy. Um, so my bold prediction for him is I think he gets dealt finally. Like I said, I think he, the 76ers have enough. I think at this point they'll take whatever they can get for him. So the team I had, you know, I was looking around the NBA, you know, what type of teams have the capital to trade for him, would even want to trade for him. You know, I saw some people say the Golden State Warriors might make some sense. A buddy of mine were having that conversation the other day at work. And he brought up, you know, that the Warriors are a team that their best ones, the ball is in Steph's hand and he's the one moving it around. So to take it out of his hands and have him kind of standing around waiting to see what Simmons does, like that wouldn't make a ton of sense for him, for me. Um, so I think the Warriors are out. I think if you really want to, you know, stick it to Simmons and then maybe the 76ers take this route, they trade him to a crap team. So I have in here as my bold prediction. I think he gets dealt to the Oklahoma city thunder. I think that that team works for a couple of reasons. Obviously we know what OKC's done over the last couple of years to just build up their draft capital to where they have like, what is it? 20 something draft picks or 20 something first, whatever the hell the, the crazy status that they have. It's yeah. It seems like that. Um, so they obviously they have the capital to do it. I don't know what Philadelphia would want in return player wise. I don't know what OKC would be willing to give them. Cause like I said, Ben Simmons at this point is just made it so obvious that he's trying to shoot himself out of Philadelphia, but I think OKC takes a chance because if you're the Thunder, obviously you have all this draft capital. So you're going to get a ton of decent draft picks. You're going to have a good young team, but you're going to need someone to build that team around. And yeah, maybe a change of scenery for Ben Simmons doesn't, well, maybe, you know, the OKC coaches can get some confidence out of him and turn him into a little bit of a better shooter than he is. So that may not be the worst guy to try to build your team around with all these young guys. Obviously they have, uh, was it Georges Alexander? He's obviously a, a guy maybe they could build around as well. So maybe those two guys get going, but I think that's a trade that could work out for both teams. I think obviously Simmons needs a, a needs wants, whatever you want to say, he needs a different change to scenery, needs a different start. So you know, that's a team maybe to keep an eye on. Um, Maybe San Antonio is another team I saw come up. That's an interesting one because obviously they're kind of looking like they're headed towards a mini rebuild or a rebuild on the fly. So maybe Simmons is a guy that could speed that process up as well. Um, I don't think the 76ers will trade him anywhere within the Eastern Conference. I think it was Stephen A. Smith that brought up a point a couple oh, a while back saying maybe you do a, a Kyrie for, for Ben Simmons, which would be crazy. That would shake up the league, two head cases for one another. But I, I don't think – uh, Philadelphia is going to trade him anywhere within the conference like that, that just to come back and maybe bite him in the ass if he comes back yeah. and plays well against them. So I think the smart move for them is trade him out West and trade him with a team that definitely isn't going to compete for anything. Just kind of to, to make that one, one last little like yeah jab at him. So, okay. So the, team. the Ben Simmons out. situation is like, you know, the South park episode when they're trying to go get Ike back in Canada, mm-hmm. it's like, they go on shitty walk airlines and um, Mr. Luke Kim is like, Oh, it costs 4,000 Dara. 
He goes, yeah, how about, he goes, how about back and forth. He goes, yeah. how, about 50, how about 50 Dara? And like, that's what the, that's what the Ben Simmons situation is going to become. Because remember at the, at the beginning, they were like, oh, we want like four first round picks. Yeah. They want shit. a ton of first round picks. And now and like it's, a good now they're going to get like a second round pick and a, like a bench player or some oh, nonsense, I mean. just something not even close. So it's like, it's exactly like that. They're starting off with the $4,000 and then some team is going to come up and be like, we'll give you $50. How about two Dara? Like, like uh, Kyle and Mr. Yeah. Luke Kim. Um, okay, two dollar. No one, no one has, no one has a better take on the situation than Big Cat from Barstool. He keeps saying how, how does Ben Simmons have nobody that tells him, hey, dude, maybe you should fucking like do something differently here. Like maybe yeah, exactly. You maybe you should like be grounded in reality because you don't have the pull. Like you're not that good. No, you're he's scared yeah, to take he... shots, and like you're pretty much a one-dimensional player at this point. Like, what are you doing? Like, he <laughs> clearly has what's... a terrible supporting cast, which That's doesn't really I mean. surprise like, me for somebody who willingly gave the fucking Kardashian. <laughs> That's a great point. Bruins just scored, by the way. I don't know if your stream work. Oh, let's back go, up or not. Taylor Hall. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yes, sir. I had to switch Wi-Fi networks for some reason. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, I just don't. Like I said, I don't know where the sense of entitlement came from. Like, you've been to one Eastern Conference Finals that, yeah, you had a chance to win. Kawhi didn't hit the bonkers shot that he hit. But, like, other than that, like, you've been injured. You took you two years to get in the league because of injuries. Like, you're as inconsistent as inconsistent gets. You disappear in the playoffs. Like, you have really no leg to stand on when it comes to this. Like, you're not the best player on that team. It's Embiid. And, like, I honestly might put Tobias Harris before I put Ben Simmons. Like, with what the – uh, Tobias Harris can do <laughs> but like I that's why I said like if I was a 76ers I don't care what it what it takes like you said give me a second round pick give me a bench guy and we'll trade him anywhere because we just don't want to deal with this guy anymore that's why OKC works you know the if you're the Thunder you could legitimately be like we'll give you one of our you know crappier first round picks from one of the teams that you know with the, the picks probably gonna end up being in the, the 20s the 30s with all the moves they've made so they could definitely take the chance on on Simmons and maybe it works out for him if they like I said change the scenery works out yeah um I hope this guy just does nothing I'm so sick of him I've been so sick of him um forever and I hope he goes to OKC and sucks forever so mm-hmm. or Houston that'd probably be even worse Houston would be funnier yeah yeah all right so from one a-hole to the other obviously maybe the bigger of the two a-holes uh the other one i had the question i was going to ask is how much does Kyrie irving handicap the nets this year obviously we know Kyrie. well we thought maybe Kyrie might play in 41 games of course with the vaccination stuff uh, i think it was the 70s uh, the, the nets rather not the 76ers that said now he's not going to play for us at all unless he gets vaccinated so good for the, uh, the nets to take that stand um Kyrie, on the other hand has has held pat doesn't look like he's going to play anytime soon um so Obviously, there's a lot of questions. You know, when will we see Kyrie? Will we see Kyrie? You know, will his his holding out, not wanting to play, you know, will that hamper the Nets in any way, shape, or form? Like I said, my kind of standings predictions, NBA Finals predictions, I think they'll get there because I think Durant and Harden and, you know, the supporting cast they have around him is good enough to compete and good enough to obviously win a lot of games. Um, but like you mentioned, obviously, the Lakers, what they have, they have Westbrook. Obviously, they have another big three. Um, when it comes down to it, I think that's that's where Brooklyn's – luck runs out so for my bold prediction there i think Kyrie sits out the entire season i don't think you see him at all i think he's gonna be the stickler that he is and i think that in the end in the long run that's gonna end up costing brooklyn a shot of the title because you know you're gonna have games too where the nets have kd or harden on load management games so you're not gonna have them maybe they choose not to do that because they don't have Kyrie to maybe take the place of one of those stars that they sit out but i i think they'll keep 
they'll do that. They did that last year and it worked out well for them at times. Um, so yeah, I think Kyrie in the long run is really going to hurt Brooklyn not having him be there. I don't know if you feel the same way. If this is another guy that you're just completely done with, because obviously that would make sense because as big as an a-hole as he's been, um, or just what are your overall thoughts on Kyrie, the Nets, how the season's going to go for them? I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, I feel like he's going to make a just massive deal about this. Um, yeah, that's really it. I think he's just going to make it all about himself and, you know, try to stay in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. This is what he likes to do. Yep. That's, we hate to hear, see it, hear about it, but he seems to love it. So he can continue to play the villain role for as long as he's in the league. Uh, moving on to maybe another obvious one of, course with the milwaukee bucks winning the nba championship there is of course that question of will it be a championship hangover didn't look like it the other night like i said they were able to beat brooklyn uh they dropped 127 points on them um so you know my prediction i think obviously they have enough talent i think as long as Giannis stays healthy um they'll be fine they're still as deep as ever they're still as talented as ever so i think you know as long as brooklyn i think they'll be good i think they'll you know be right back at the top of the eastern conference um because like i said i think it at times, not having Kyrie is going to hurt Brooklyn. But in the long run, I think, you know, as long as KD stays healthy, as long as Harden stays healthy, maybe they do get Kyrie Irving back at some point. He plays um, as long as he doesn't blow that team up. I think Brooklyn's still the team to beat. I don't think Milwaukee gets back to the the NBA finals. I think they obviously, like I said in my prediction, they get to the, the conference finals again. But I think that's kind of where their luck runs out. I don't know if you obviously have them going back to the finals. So you kind of, you differ in that sense. You think they'll be right back where they were last year? Who, the Bucks? Yes, yep. Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it just goes kind of hand-in-hand with the whole Brooklyn thing. I don't really think Kyrie is going to come back. I think he's just going to make it all about himself, and, you know, it's going to be a huge advantage for Milwaukee. Okay. That's fair. I think that's very obviously backed up by uh, what we see in the past, so that that works out. Uh, The other one I had is obviously we kind of touched a little bit about them and our predictions. You have them finishing – Fourth, I have been finishing sixth in the Western Conference. The big question is, are the Golden State Warriors back? Obviously, they're going to get healthy this season. They have a probably fully healthy Draymond Green. Like I said, they're going to get Clay Thompson back at some point. I don't know if James Wiseman, when he is due back, but I think he's going to come back at some point this year. They still have Steph. Uh, the one kind of question mark from them is the whole Andrew Wiggins thing, kind of the same thing with Kyrie. Uh, Wiggins, another idiot that doesn't want to get vaccinated to be able to play in the NBA games that he's supposed to be playing in. Um, but we won't get too he much. He sucks there. anyways. He, he blows too. So uh, again, though, he's just a guy that, you know, yeah, he so can he put can up, eat shit he can put like up points that. when his head's not stuck up his ass, but I mean, he's another guy that that's more so than not. That's the case. Yeah. It seems like that's a problem for him. So yeah, absolutely. But I mean, he's a guy again, like I said, that can help if he gets on the, the straight and narrow. Um, but there are a lot of people that seem to think the Warriors are back on the Bleacher Report uh, predictions that I had here from their their NBA standings predictions. They have the Warriors finishing third. They have them winning 50 games last season after winning just 39 a year ago, um, of course, in a shortened season. Uh, that was the question I was going to ask you. Are the, the Golden State Warriors back? Like I said, you have them finishing fourth. I don't know if – or, yeah, you have them finishing fourth. I have them finishing sixth, like I mentioned. I don't know if you have any sort of, like, insight or predictions on where you – see them finishing in the playoffs if you have them maybe as a Western Conference Finals matchup with the Lakers or where because that's I think if I went back and looked at my notes I have them losing uh to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals like but oh no I have them losing to the Lakers in the semifinals is what I had in my my notes over there I don't know if you had any other thoughts on them or not yeah I have the Warriors being like half back Mm -hmm. back is like top two I think in this situation so like four is like halfback. 
I think that's feels fair. like Clay Thompson hasn't played in like a decade. So he hasn't. I yeah. We were, again, we were talking about this at work the other day, and one of the kids said that he goes, "It's been like two or three years since Clay's played in a basketball game," which is wild to think of. Like he's been gone for that long, but I think yeah, obviously having him back is going to help out a lot. You know, it's obviously going to ease the burden on Steph. Like I mentioned, I still think you know Steph's going to be able to have that no problem. I think he wins MVP, like I mentioned. Um, but obviously, getting Clay back is is huge. I just think there's too many teams to overcome out West. Like I said, Lakers have revamped. Phoenix is still there. I don't think they're going to take a step back with what they have. Utah, you know, Denver gets healthy. Uh, Dallas is obviously still a tough team to beat with, with Luka. Um, there's just too many teams to overcome for Golden State. They got to get a couple more pieces. And I think they'll be back to, like you mentioned, one of those top two teams and a legitimate, you know, threat contender type of thing out West. Yeah. A question I have for you that literally just popped in my head. Okay, go for it. This would kind of be like a bold prediction, too, to go along with your next one. Do you think Beal and Lillard could be involved in a four-team trade, the same four-team trade? Are you seeing this somewhere specific, or are you just completely brainstorming? We're just going nuts because I think, you know, I feel like a lot of situations with big time stars, it's tough for teams to want to give up huge capital. So if they have other teams to broker things and salaries, do you think a mega deal with both of them being involved could ever happen? Or am I just completely stupid? Not in season. And I mean, that's kind of, it kind of defeats the purpose then. Cause then if you go out of season, Beal has the chance to opt out because he's a player option. So then you don't really train for anything. Um, and I don't know, like, you'd have to figure out what teams get involved, too, because obviously I don't think Damian Lillard would want to go from uh, Portland to Washington. That's a step down. It's like you said, they would have to go to teams involved from that yeah, from a, that's a winning standpoint, like, from a team. yeah, a contract standpoint type of thing for teams being able to fit it under their cap and stuff like that. Uh, so I don't know. I, I was going to say I don't see either one of these guys getting dealt in season regardless. I mean, maybe – Maybe Beal, if he you know comes to the, the uh, Wizards halfway through the season and says that's it, I want out because we both think Washington's going to be pretty bad this year. Um, Lillard's obviously a different case; he's tougher to move. He's on a team that looks like they're built to win now at least, or try to win now at least, um, compared to Washington, who's kind of in a semi-win, semi-rebuild thing after trading Westbrook, kind of blowing that up after just a year uh, with him and Beal together. So I don't know. I don't think we we don't tend to see. I feel like a lot of crazy. Trades like that in the NBA all that often. There's a rare case once or twice, but I I just don't think – I don't think there'd be enough teams involved. I don't think there'd be enough teams – like, obviously, pieces that have to move. It'd be crazy to think of who would be involved and where would guys go. So I don't I don't see either one being involved in any sort of trade for the other. Damn, that would be cool, though, wouldn't it? It be? would be wild, absolutely. That'd be a, a talking point and then some to have, you know, God forbid, I don't know what team – like I said, what teams would get involved other than obviously Washington and Portland, but – but who knows? The Rockets, no. I'm trying to think, like, no, because you wouldn't want a bad team. because no, that's what I mean. You'd have to have two. And that's what, looking at, like, the good teams. Like, Miami doesn't need any help right now. It would seem like they retooled through free agency. Chicago, same thing. Me, like, Philadelphia is the big one. Like, that's that's the one where you could see maybe Ben Simmons gets involved for that and you trade Ben Simmons to Portland for, for Lillard. And I don't know where – Beal would go on that. You'd have to, like I said, like you said, get a fourth team involved. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, Phoenix doesn't need help. The Lakers obviously made their big move. They, they were linked to, to Beal before. There were some people that thought maybe they could make a run at Beal, but they got Westbrook, so 
they don't really need a superstar guard back there. They don't really have the, the spots to, I'm assuming they don't have the cap space either to make that move work. I would say no to Utah. I would say no to Denver, maybe Dallas. I don't know what that Dallas could be one, maybe because Porzingis, I think money wise would work, but I don't know what team would want to take on Porzingis. And like, again, like maybe he goes to Washington, but like, he's a guy that who would think would want to go somewhere that can win. I don't know how much control he has over that. Um, Clippers already have George and Kawhi. Like, I don't know what they have left to be able to trade and deal for that. I don't want to say, like, I was thinking maybe Memphis, but they have Morant as their starting guard. Like, they're not going to move him out of that to bring in a guy like Lillard, bring in a guy like Beal. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's definitely something that would shake the league up for sure. There's no question about that. But, like, just trying to figure – it's a headache trying to figure out what teams could potentially be involved, what would have to go, like – but who knows? It would be pretty wild. It would be. So that was, again, like you said, kind of going to this last kind of talking point, maybe prediction I have is you mentioned it. Keep an eye on the two superstars this year. Beal, of course, he has a chance to opt out at the end of this season um, with a player option next year. Lillard is a little different. He signed an extension, so he is under contract for four years. But maybe, I mean, we, like I said, we both think the Wizards are going to be bad this year. You wanted, you said you wanted to throw Memphis maybe in there as the eighth seed. Maybe if they can sneak in, Portland starts to show some cracks of not, you know, being a playoff team or, you know, struggling down the stretch. Maybe Lillard goes to them and says, all right, like I, I want out of here. I want to go to a team that's going to win because there was obviously some rumors and stuff about that, that obviously we had all the trade rumors and stuff that, you know, could Lillard be on his way out? Could he want to be traded? Both he and Beal have kind of been on the record saying they want to stay where they are. But I think, I think maybe more so Beal than, than Lillard, like I said, could go to Washington and be like, all right, I, I want out. I want to get out of here and go somewhere where I have a chance to win. So I think Beal is probably the more movable piece at this point. But like I said, if these two teams struggles, keep an eye on both of them because you might see their names pop up more than once this season and then all hell might break loose. Maybe we do have a, a crazy four-team deal that, that comes up and we have a bunch of names and draft picks flying all over the place. Chaos. What is uh, – I wanted to see what your uh, record prediction was. So your 47-35s so were around the same thing for the Celtics. Celtics? Yeah. I, yeah. Middle of the pack type of thing. Again, kind of, I think there's a lot of, like I said, teams that have improved in the East. Milwaukee, obviously, the big horse is still there. Same thing with Brooklyn. Like, I went back and forth. Like, I thought maybe Atlanta, because obviously they were there last year. They had some success. Actually, they had a lot of success last year, obviously, with how deep their playoff run went. But, I mean, Jason Tatum, healthy Jalen Brown. I think Al Horford's going to obviously not a, a sexy name on paper, but I think he does a lot for that Celtics team or is going to do a lot. So I think just from a talent standpoint, the Celtics edge out Atlanta a little bit more. I'm in, interested and excited to see how Ime Udoka does in his first year with the Celtics. I think he'll be good there because I think obviously we talked about it when it happened, you know, a, a change at the head coach position, a change at the front office was needed. They obviously did those type of things. Um, you and I both agree that it's kind of a, a middle of the pack type of, you know, let's see what they can do type of season. And maybe it surprises, like I mentioned, maybe they put together a Red Sox type season where they're not expected to do a whole lot and then kind of come out and, and shut some people up and, you know, take out some doubters. But we'll, of course, we'll have to wait and see where we're not even one game in yet. We're barely a half in to the season. And we'll have to, like I said, wait and see how it goes. Indubitably. Um, they are up right now as the third quarter has started, 60 to 56 on the Knicks. So, Joe, bless you. Keep an eye on that. Yep. Yeah, Bruins are down three to two. Mm-hmm. 
that Taylor Hall breakaway was ridiculous. Very nice goal. Yep. Looks so easy. He's awesome. So can't believe he's on the Bruins fully. Um, but yeah, I think that just about wraps it up for the show. I would say so. I got nothing else. No other, no other crazy thoughts. Nothing hopefully is going to break right before we, or you, uh, hit that you hit stop on the recording and we'll have some, some news that we missed like always. Yeah, of course. You know, um, and it's the sniffles hit me out of nowhere. Uh, Oh, good Lord. Um, that's going to wrap it up for episode 66 of the Savage and Creddy Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok, throw Savage and Creddy into the search bar, be able to find us. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Creddy. You can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore Savaggio. And you can follow the show at Sal and Creddy Pod. Um, you can find us on plenty of platforms. Go to our Anchor FM page, Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave a review if you're on there, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a bunch more. Um, but yeah, see you for episode 67 next week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Um, hopefully we'll have some, uh, world series preview talk for the Celtics, good brewing stuff and Pats and Celtics and all that fun stuff. And, uh, we'll talk to you then. Peace out. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.